Chapter Three of A Wheel Within a Wheel by Francis E. Willard. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Three My Teachers. I studied my various kind teachers with much care. One was so helpful that but for my protest she would fairly have carried me in her arms and the bicycle to boot the whole distance. This was because she had not a scintilla of knowledge concerning the machine and she did not wish me to come to grief through any lack on her part. Another was too timorous. The very twitter of her face, swiftly communicated to her arm and imparted to the quaking crossbar, convulsed me with an inward fear. Therefore, for her sake and mine, I speedily counted her out from the faculty in my bicycle college. Another, and she, like most of my teachers, was a Londoner, was herself so capable, not to say adventurous, and withal so solicitous for my best good, that she elicited my admiration by her ingenious mixture of cheering me on and holding me back. The latter, however, predominated, for she never relinquished her strong grasp on the crossbar. She was a fine, brave character, somewhat inclined to a pessimistic view of life because of severe experience at home, which, coming to her at a pitifully early period, when brain and fancy were most impressionable, wrought an injustice to a nature large and generous, one which under happier skies would have blossomed out into a perfect flower of womanhood. My off-hand thinkings aloud, to which I have always been greatly given, especially when in genial company, she seemed to catch on the fly, as a reporter impales an idea on his pencil point. We had no end of what we thought to be good talks of things in heaven and earth and the waters under the earth, of the mystery that lies so closely round this cradle of a world, and all the varied and ingenious ways of which the bicycle, so slow to give up its secret to a careworn and inelastic pupil half a century old, was just then our whimsical and favourite symbol. We rejoiced together greatly in perceiving the impetus that this uncompromising but fascinating and inimitably capable machine would give to that blessed woman question to which we were both devoted. For we had earned our own bread many a year, and she, although more than twenty years my junior, had accumulated an amount of experience well nigh as great, because she had lived in the world's heart, or the world's carbuncle, just as one chooses to regard what has been called in literary phrase the capital of humanity. We saw that the physical development of humanity's mother half would be wonderfully advanced by that universal introduction of the bicycle sure to come about within the next few years, because it is for the interest of great commercial monopolies that this should be so, since if women patronise the wheel, the number of buyers will be twice as large. If women ride, they must, when riding, dress more rationally than they have been wont to do. If they do this, many prejudices as to what they may be allowed to wear will melt away. Reason will gain upon precedent, and ere long the comfortable, sensible and artistic wardrobe of the rider will make the conventional style of woman's dress absurd to the eye and unendurable to the understanding. A reform often advances most rapidly by indirection. An ounce of practice is worth a ton of theory and the graceful and becoming costume of woman on the bicycle will convince the world that has brushed aside the theories, no matter how well constructed, and the arguments, no matter how logical, of dress reformers. 
a woman with bands hanging on her hips and dress snug about the waist and chokingly tight at the throat with heavily trimmed skirts dragging down the back and numerous folds heating the lower part of the spine and with tight shoes ought to be in agony she ought to be as miserable as a stalwart man would be in the same plight and the fact that she can coolly and complacently assert that her clothing is perfectly easy and that she does not want anything more comfortable or convenient is the most conclusive proof that she is altogether abnormal bodily and not a little so in mind we saw with satisfaction the great advantage in good fellowship and mutual understanding between men and women who take the road together sharing its hardships and rejoicing in the poetry of motion through landscapes breathing nature's inexhaustible charm and skyscapes lifting the heart from what is to what shall be hereafter we discoursed on the advantage to masculine character of comradeship with women who were as skilled and ingenious in the manipulation of the swift steed as they themselves we contended that whatever diminishes the sense of superiority in men makes them more manly brotherly and pleasant to have about we felt sure that the bluff the swagger and the bravado of young england in his teens would not outlive the complete mastery of the outdoor arts in which his sister is now successfully engaged the old fables myths and follies associated with the idea of woman's incompetence to handle bat and oar bridle and rein and at last the crossbar of the bicycle are passing into contempt in presence of the nimbleness agility and skill of that boy's sister indeed we felt that if she continued to improve after the fashion of the last decade her physical achievements will be such that it will become the pride of many a ruddy youth to be known as that girl's brother as we discoursed of life death and the judgment to come of man's inhumanity to man as well as to beasts birds and creeping things we frequently recurred to a phrase that has become habitual with me in these later years when other words seem anchored close alongside this and when the telephone the phonograph and the microphone begin to show us that every breath carries in itself not only the power but the scientific certainty of registration well one thing is certain we shall meet it in the ether one of my companions in the tribulation of learning the bicycle and the grace of its mastery was a tall bright-faced vigorous-minded young celt who is devoted to every good word and work and has much experience with the submerged tenth living among them and trying to build character among those waste places of humanity i set out to teach this young woman the bicycle and while she took her lesson which as she is young elastic and long-limbed was vastly less difficult than mine we talked of many things american women and why they do not walk the english lower class and why they are less vigorous than the irish the english girl of the slums and why she is less self-respecting than an irish girl in the same situation there are many things for which we cannot account said my young friend whereupon with the self-elected mentorship of my half-century i oracularly observed cosmos has not a consequence without a cause it is the business of reason to seek for causes and if it cannot make sure of them to construct for itself theories as to what they are or will turn out to be when found 
but the trouble is when we have framed our theory we come to look upon it as our child that we have brought into the world nurtured and trained up by hand the curse of life is that men will insist on holding their theories as true and imposing them on others this gives rise to creeds customs constitutions royalties and governments happy is he who knows that he knows nothing or next to nothing and holds his opinions like a bouquet of flowers in his hand that sheds its fragrance everywhere and which he is willing to exchange at any moment for one fairer and more sweet instead of strapping them on like an armour of steel and thrusting with his lance those who do not accept his notions my last teacher was as ought to be the case on the principle of climax my best i think she might have given many a pointer to folks that bring up children and i realised that no matter how one may think himself accomplished when he sets out to learn a new language science or the bicycle he has entered a new realm as truly as if he were a child newly born into the world and except ye become as little children is the law by which he is governed whether he will or not he must first creep then walk and then run and the wisest guide he can have is the one who most studiously helps him to help himself this was a truism that i had heard all my life long but never did a realising sense of it settle down upon my spirit so thoroughly as when i learned the bicycle it is not the teacher who holds you in place by main strength that is going to help you win that elusive reluctant and inevitable prize we call success but it is the one who while studiously keeping in the background steers you to the fore so number twelve had the wit and wisdom to retire to the rear of the saucy steed that i might form the habit of seeing no sign of aid or comfort from any source except my own reaction on the treadles according to law yet cunningly contrived by laying a skilled hand upon the saddle without my observation knowledge or consent to aid me in my balancing she diminished the weight thus set to my account as rapidly as my own increasing courage and skill rendered this possible i have always observed and not without a certain pleasure remembering my brother's hardihood that wherever a woman goes some man has reached the place before her and it did not dim the verdure of my laurels or the fullness of my content when i had mastered gladys to ascertain from a letter sent me by the wife of a man sixty-four years of age who had just learned that i was number two instead of number one thus obliging me to rectify the frontier of chronology as i had constructed it in relation to the conquest of the bicycle for i vainly thought that i had fought the antics of gladys as a sentry on duty away out on the extreme frontier of time but at last which means in two months or thereabouts at ten or twenty minutes practice off and on daily i reached the goal and could mount the bicycle without the slightest foreign interference or even the moral support of a sympathetic onlooker in doing this i realised that the totality of what i had learned entered into the action every added increment of power that i had gained in balancing pedalling steering taking advantage of the surfaces adjusting my weight according to my own peculiarities and so on was set to my account when i began to manage the bulky steed that behaves worst of all when a novice seeks the saddle and strikes out alone just so i felt it had been all my life 
and will be doubtless in all worlds and with us all the totality of native forces and acquired discipline and expert knowledge stands us in good stead for each crisis that we have to meet there is a momentum a cumulative power on which we can count in every new circumstance as a capitalist counts upon his credit at the bank it is not only a divine declaration it is one of the basic laws of being that all things work together for good to them that love god that is to them that are in love with god and he who loves the law of god and makes himself obedient to that law has by that much loved god only he does not always have the wit to know it the one who has learned latest and yet has really learned the mastery of the bicycle is the best teacher many a time i have heard boys in college say that it was not the famed mathematician who could teach them anything he knew too much he was too far ahead for them to hear his voice he was impatient of their halting steps but the tutor who had left college only the year before and remembering his own failures and stupidity had still that fellow feeling that made him wondrous kind as has been stated my last epoch consisted of learning to mount that is the pons asinorum of the whole mathematical undertaking for mathematical it is to a nicety you have to balance your system more carefully than you ever did your accounts not the smallest fraction can be out of the way or away you go the treacherous steed forming one half of an equation and yourself with a bruised knee forming the other you must add a stroke at just the right angle to mount subtract one to descend divide them equally to hold your seat and multiply all these movements in definite ratio and true proportion by the swiftest of all routes or you will become the most minus of quantities you must foot up your accounts with the strictest regularity there can be no partial payments in a business enterprise like this although i could now mount and descend turn corners and get over the ground all by myself i still felt a lack of complete faith in gladys although she had never harmed me but once and then it was my own fault in letting go the gleaming crossbar which is the equivalent to dropping the bridle of a spirited steed let it be carefully remembered by every beginning bicycler that whatever she forgets she must forever keep her main hold else her horse is not bitted and will shy to a dead certainty as we grew better acquainted i thought how perfectly analogous were our relations to those of friends who have become slowly seasoned one to the other they have endured the vicissitudes of every kind of climate of the changing seasons they have known the heavy waterlogged conditions of spring the shrinkage of summer's trying heat the happy medium of autumn and the contracting cold that winter brings they are like the bits of wood exactly apportioned and attuned that go to make up a stradivarius violin they can count upon one another and not disagree because the stress of life has moulded them to harmony they are like the well-worn robe the easy shoe there is no short road to this adjustment so much to be desired not any will win it short of patient continuous in well-doing i noticed that the great law which i believe to be potential throughout the universe made no exception here according to thy faith be it unto thee was the only law of success 
when i felt sure that i could do my pedalling with judicial accuracy and did not permit myself to dread the swift motion round a bend when i formed in my mind the image of a successful ascent of the priory rise when i fully purposed in my mind that i should not run into the hedge on the one side or the iron fence on the other these prophecies were fulfilled with practical certainty i fell into the habit of varying my experience by placing before myself the image so germane to the work in which i am engaged of an inebriate in action and accompanied this mental panorama by an orchestral effect of my own producing they reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man but could never go through this three consecutive times without lurching off the saddle but when i put before me as distinctly as my powers of concentration would permit the image of my mother holding steadily above me a pair of balances and looking at me with that quizzical expectant glance i knew so well and saying do it of course you'll do it what else should you do i found that it was palpably helpful in enabling me to sit straight and hold my own on my uncertain steed she always maintained in the long talks we had concerning immortality that the law i mentioned was conclusive and was wont to close our conversations in that subject in which i held the interrogative position with some such remark as this if professor blank thinks he is not immortal he probably is not if i think i am i may be sure i shall be for is it not written in the law according to thy faith be it unto thee gradually i realized a consoling degree of mastery over gladys but nothing was more apparent to me than that we were not yet thoroughly acquainted we had not summered and wintered together i had not learned her kinks and she was as full of them as the most spirited mare that sweeps the course on a kentucky race-track although i have seen a race but once and that was in the champs-elysees paris a quarter of a century ago i am yet so much interested in the fact that it is a flora temple a goldsmith maid a mordess a sunol a california maid that often stands first on the record that i would fain have named my shying steed after any one of these but as she was a gift from lady henry somerset this seemed invidious in me as a yankee woman and so i called her gladys having in view the bright spirit of the donor the exhilarating motion of the machine and the gladdening effect of its acquaintance and use on my health and disposition as i have said i found from first to last that the process of acquisition exactly coincided with that which had given me everything i possessed of physical mental or moral success that is skill knowledge and character i was learning the bicycle precisely as i had learned the a b c when i set myself as a stint to mount and descend in regular succession anywhere from twenty to fifty times it was on the principle that we do a thing more easily the second time than on the first the third time than the second and so on in a rapidly increasing ratio until it is done without any conscious effort whatsoever this was precisely the way in which my mother trained me to tell the truth and my music teacher taught me that mastership of the piano keyboard which i have lost by disuse falling from grace may mean falling from a habit formed how do we know this opens a boundless field of ethical speculation which i would gladly have followed 
but just then the steel steed gave a lurch as if to say ten to your knitting the favourite expression of a rocky mountain stage driver when tourists taxed him with questions while he was turning round a bend two thousand feet above the valley and now comes the question what do the doctors say here follow several testimonies the question now of great interest to girls is in regard to the healthfulness of the wheel many are prophesying dire results from this fascinating exercise and fond parents are refusing to allow their daughters to ride because they are girls it will be a delight to girls to learn that the fact of their sex is in itself not a bar to riding a wheel if the girl is normally constituted and is dressed hygienically and if she will use judgment and not overtax herself in learning to ride and in measuring the length of rides after she has learned she is in no more danger from riding a wheel than is the young man but if she persists in riding in a tight dress and uses no judgment in deciding the amount of exercise she is capable of safely taking it will be quite possible for her to injure herself and then it is she and not the wheel that is to blame many physicians are now coming to regard the wheel as beneficial to the health of women as well as of men dr seneca egbert says as an exercise bicycling is superior to most if not all others at our command it takes one into the outdoor air it is entirely under control can be made gentle or vigorous as one desires is active and not passive takes the rider outside of himself and the thoughts and cares of his daily work develops his will his attention his courage and independence and makes pleasant what is otherwise most irksome moreover the exercise is well and equally distributed over almost the whole body and as parker says when all the muscles are exercised no muscle is likely to be over exercised he advocates cycling as a remedy for dyspepsia a torpid liver incipient consumption nervous exhaustion rheumatism and melancholia in regard to the exercise for women he says it gets them out of doors gives them a form of exercise adapted to their needs that they may enjoy in company with others or alone and one that goes to the root of their nervous troubles he instances two cases of girls fourteen and eighteen years of age where a decided increase in height could be fairly attributed to cycling the question is often asked if riding a wheel is not the same as running a sewing machine let the same doctor answer oh not at all women at least sit erect on a wheel and consequently the thighs never make even a right angle with the trunk and there is no stasis of blood in the lower limbs and genitalia moreover the work itself makes the rider breathe in oceans of fresh air while the woman at the sewing machine works indoors stoops over her work contracting the chest and almost completely checking the flow of blood to and from the lower half of her body where at the same time she is increasing the demand for it finally aggravating the whole trouble by the pressure of the lower edge of the corset against the abdomen so that the customary congestions and displacements have good cause for their existence End a quote. the great desideratum in all recreations is pure air plenty of it and lungs free to absorb it dr lyman b sperry 
let go but stand by this is the golden rule for parent and pastor teacher and friend the only rule that at once respects the individuality of another and yet adds one's own so far as may be to another's momentum in the struggle of life how difficult it is for the trainer to judge exactly how much force to exercise in helping to steer the wheel and start the wheeler along the macadamised highway in this the point of view makes all the difference the trainer is tall the rider short the first can poise on the off-treadle while one foot is on the ground but the last must learn to balance while one foot is in the air for one of these perfectly to comprehend the other's relation to the vehicle is practically impossible the degree to which he may attain this depends upon the amount of imagination to the square inch with which he has been fitted out the opacity of the mind its inability to project itself into the realm of another's personality goes a long way to explain the friction of life if we would set down other people's errors to this rather than to malice prepense we should not only get more good out of life and feel more kindly towards our fellows but doubtless the rectitude of our intellects would increase and the justice of our judgments for instance it is my purpose so far as i understand myself to be considerate towards those about me but my pursuits have been almost purely mental and to perceive what would seem just to one whose pursuits have been almost purely mechanical would require an act of imagination of which i am wholly incapable we are so shut away from one another that none tells those about him what he considers ideal treatment on their part towards him he thinks about it all the same mumbles about it to himself mutters about it to those of his own guild and these mutterings make the discontent that finally breaks out in reforms whose tendency is to distribute the good things of this life more equally among the living but nothing will probe to the core of this the greatest disadvantage under which we labour that is mutual non-comprehension except a basis of society and government which would make it easy for each to put himself in another's place because his place is so much like another's we shall be less imaginative perhaps in those days the critics say this is inevitable but it will only be because we need less imagination in order to do that which is just and kind to everyone about us in my early home my father always set us children to work by stints that is he measured off a certain part of the garden to be weeded or other work to be done and when we had accomplished it our working hours were over with this deeply ingrained habit in full force i set myself stints with the bicycle in the later part of my novitiate fifty attempts a day were allotted to that most difficult of all achievements learning to mount and i calculate that five hundred such efforts well put in will solve that most intricate problem of specific gravity and now concerning falls i set out with the determination not to have any though mentally adventurous i have always been physically cautious a student of physiology in my youth i knew the reason why i brought so much less elasticity to my task than did my young and agile trainers i knew the penalty of broken bones for these a tricycle had cost me some years before my trainers were kind enough to encourage me by saying that if i became an expert in slow riding 
I should take the rapid wheel as a matter of course, and thus be really more accomplished, in the long run as well as in the short, than by any other process. So I have had but one real downfall to record as the result of my three months' practice, and it illustrates the old saying that pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. For I was not a little lifted up by having learned to dismount with confidence and ease, I will not say with grace, for at fifty-three that would be an affectation. So one bright morning I bowled on down the priory drive, waving my hand to my most adventurous aide-de-camp, and calling out as I left her behind, "'Now you'll see how nicely I can do it. Watch!' when behold that timid left foot turned traitor and i came down solidly on my knee and the knee on a pebble as relentless as prejudice and as opinionated as ignorance the nervous shock made me well-nigh faint the bicycle tumbled over on my prone figure and i wished i had never heard of gladys or of any wheel save fly swiftly round ye wheels of time and bring the welcome day of my release into the ether let me remark to any young woman who reads this page that for her to tumble off her bike is inexcusable. The lightsome elasticity of every muscle, the quickness of the eye, the agility of motion ought to preserve her from such a catastrophe. I have had no more falls simply because I would not. I have proceeded on a basis of the utmost caution, and aside from that one pitiful performance, the bicycle has cost me hardly a single bruise. End of chapter 3